Hello and welcome to Make Language Great Again. Today it is my great honor and joy to welcome three very brave people in New Zealand. Uh, Sue Gray is a lawyer, uh, Matt Shelton is a physician, and then there is another anonymous lawyer. And the reason that I wanted to interview them is that they were working with scientists and they found some bizarre contamination in the COVID injections. And beyond that, there are also other things to discuss as far as what's happening in New Zealand and the uprising of the people and the joy in the streets and the reaction of the establishment to that. But let's start with the basics. So if you want to introduce yourself briefly, whatever you want to uh, tell the audience about yourself. Great. Um, I'm Sue Gray. I'm a, I'm a mother. I'm a lawyer. I'm a world traveler. I've got a science double major in biochemistry and microbiology, and I'm the co-leader of the New Zealand Outdoors and Freedom Party, which is a new political party standing up for freedom of the people and democracy. I'm presently sitting here in Wellington at the Occupy protest. Um, we're calling it Camp Freedom. Um, I'm sitting in my camper van. There's nowhere quiet to go outside because um, there are just so many people here pouring into Wellington, new people every day. So I apologise, it's not the best optics, but it's um, on site here in Wellington, at Parliament, just down the road from Parliament. Well, thank you so much. I'm so grateful to you for doing that and for being brave, well, all of you. Matt. Oh, hi, Tessa. So, yeah, I'm Matt Shelton. I've been a doctor for 37 years. Um, originally changed in general practice and did some um, anaesthetics and ICU and a few other bits and pieces. Um, but for most of the last 15 years, I've been working as an integrative physician, um, so mainly in, in general practice. Um, I've done some teaching uh, in um, nutrition, environmental medicine, uh, and um, I sort of found myself part of a group of doctors who got together um, well, just, uh, over a year ago now. Um, who, who, you know, disagreed with the narrative uh, and, um, you know, all our alarm bells were going off um, around what we saw as the beginning of the, the an assault on medicine um, and its very basic tenets um, and, and understandings. Um, and we've just really moved steadily ahead as best we can, um, telling the truth as we, uh, as, as, we, as we see it and, and as we find it and as it, um, as it sort of evolves and, and consolidates. Uh, and we've done some of our own work recently um, to try and see whether the New Zealand vaccines uh, contain the same apparent technology that um, has been shown, well, really since September last year, uh, a Spanish group produced a, a science report. Uh, and then just last week, the UK has produced a very high level science report um, that, that pretty much confirms that there seems to be graphene-based um, technology that's possibly self-assembling. Um, so we've we've written some reports on that, and we've been trying to get all the way along. Really, we've been trying to alert government and important people, uh, the regulators uh, and, and ministers, uh, to take some notice um, of of what the evidence is saying, uh, and not just around uh, what's in the vaccines, but um, the bigger picture of um, apparent increasing mortality in people who have been vaccinated. Um, and declining efficacy and the importance of natural immunity, uh, you know, and all the stuff we've all been banging on about um, us, ourselves. So, um, yeah, that's that's me. Well, that is so extremely brave of you. And then, uh, well, I don't know if the anonymous lawyer wants to say something. Well, probably not because she disappeared. 
Oh, hello. Um, I'm not going to reveal my identity, um, and that's because uh, people who have been speaking out have been persecuted by their respective professional associations for holding politically dissenting views. My background is that I'm a human rights lawyer, and I've been very concerned at the uh, non-respect for fundamental human rights and freedoms in the New Zealand's COVID pandemic response. Well, good for you. And I don't blame you for being anonymous because, well, we'll get to that later, but I think, well, all of you are facing the consequences for speaking your truth and for trying to get to the bottom of what's going on. So, but first the findings, because they are kind of really shocking because it looks like you found, or the scientists you're working with found not just a contamination, but a contamination that is, well, weird, that looks like it might have something to do with nano-sized technology. So do you want to really drill into that and go into detail, you know, what scientists, whatever you can say about them? I don't know if they are also protecting their identity. So just the technical detail and the conclusions and the credentials, all, all that. Yeah, sure. Well, our... Um work really here just looking down microscopes um, has been stimulated by actually a lot more work um, overseas. So a Spanish group called La Quinta Columna were the first people uh, to, to publish. Uh, and then a UK group um, that was commissioned actually by a very credible organization uh, in the UK um, that's done a lot of work on behalf of the WHO and the NHS, um, looking at the evidence for different treatments. Um, they've commissioned um, a report that's just been released um, by a, a group called UNIT, U-N-I-T. Uh, so we've been aware of this work and really all we, we wanted to do was, was, um, was to see whether we could see anything um, to really see if we could confirm it was true for us and because it's always very hard speaking on other people's work. Um, and although these other countries, um, Spain, the UK, also Germany, Austria, um, Argentina, there's work coming out of there as well confirming this is correct. Um, you know, you really need to see it yourself. But since these vaccines were all made in the same factories and exported, um, you know, to lots of different countries, we were pretty confident that if there was anything in there, we would be able to see it. Um, so we bought our own microscope uh, and um, had a look at, a, at a, um, an unopened vial that was provided to us um, and um, saw definite evidence of things that, that just do not occur in nature. Um, I mean, I'm not a professionally trained microscopist. Uh, or a high-level scientist. I'm, I'm just a doctor, but I've used microscopes um, on and off, and certainly in the early years, um, you know, and, you know, looked at an awful lot of microscope slide photographs in textbooks and during one's, one's training, um, you know, and you just do not get straight lines in nature. Um, and we also noticed how quickly people have tried to dismiss our findings as being, um, you know, dust or dirt. Uh, but when you look at the pictures, um, you know, there's, there's no doubt that this is, you know, this is not natural. Uh, and around about the time we were looking uh, at our slides, um, and, and so I was one of the team, and I, so I looked down and saw myself, saw for myself um, that as the, uh, the drop dried on the slide under a cover slip, and, and probably as it warmed up as well in the microscope, um, there emerged from the sort of background soup where there was nothing much to see really, um, uh, you know, regular symmetrical, um, you know, geometric shapes. 
um, and we can have a look at some if you like um, a little bit later. I can screen share perhaps. Um, but the the microscope, although good quality, um, wasn't the ultimate high magnification. But that didn't matter. You could see enough to to suppose suppose that something was going on. Um, and then as a result of discussing our work in online groups and things, we became aware of another group um, that had actually been doing this work for, for a bit longer in New Zealand. Um, and they produced some stunning images. And I went to see them and to meet them and to look at their work and to assess their, their credentials um, and their technique um, as best as best as I could. Um, and they were, um, uh, you know, this was all real. Um, there was nothing fake about the work they were doing. Uh, they were using dark field microscopy, which allows you to um, also examine whole blood. Um, so they've been doing some work clinically with patients. And the dark field microscopy community here in New Zealand, um, but in fact, uh, overseas as well, because we're all interconnected very easily now, um, you know, have all agreed that they've been seeing changes in people's blood um, that they haven't seen since uh, before the vaccine rollout. So there's definitely something different going on. And they're also seeing some changes in the blood of um, some unvaccinated people as well. Um, so they they feel that that shedding is definitely a real thing and that they've seen evidence for it. Um, dark field microscopy has always been regarded as a little bit sort of left field or kind of underground by the, um, the conventional medical community, which is a shame because, um, you know, you can see some inc incredible things. And um, there's some very well-trained and experienced microscopists out there who've been doing this work for a long time. Um, so, you know, we, we feel we've proved enough to our satisfaction that authorities now need to step up um, and do their own work and tell us what we're seeing uh, and, and what's going on. Um, we haven't had chain of custody yet, which means um, the ability to give absolute legal proof that there's been no fraud in uh, producing the slides, but we're not far off there. Um, but as I say, I think we've, we've met the standard um, that that really means that the police need to investigate. And in fact, we've given them the evidence that we've got, uh, as well as the evidence from overseas. Uh, and we think it's very much in their courts because there is definitely something going on that the people have never consented to uh, and need to be uh, needs to be informed about. Well, definitely. Well, let me ask you a couple of uh, a couple of technical questions. Well, for this uh, microscopy technique, how is it different? Like in lay terms? Sure, Tessa. This, this, the microscope we used isn't different. Um, it was a good quality optical microscope. Um, so it had magnification of up to um, 1250 um, times uh, with, the, um, with the optical system itself. Uh, and then, of course, you can add a video camera um, that further magnifies. Uh, and the quality of that is dependent on the, obviously, the, the me megapixels. Um, rating of the camera. Um, so it was, um, you know, good quality lenses and, and we saw enough um, to, uh, you know, to, to convince us that these were real images, that they weren't spurious um, artifacts caused by, you know, scratches on the lenses, um, on the slides. Um, right. You know, we, we, we used high quality slides uh, and cover slips. Um, and, you know, other teams have said the same thing. And I'm personally much more convinced by the work of you know the, the the other credentialed scientists who've had chain of custody uh and have have published their work done um spectroscopy analysis so you can see what elements these structures are, are, are made on made of and, and you know graphene keeps coming up um, and in fact if you look at the broader 
areas of science, there's there's plenty of precedent for the sort of work at the sort of scale. You know, it's it's everyday science in some, you know, probably slightly sinister areas of of, of science and, and laboratories around the place. Um, and in fact, I suspect what we're seeing now doesn't even represent state of the art. Um, uh, you know of, of what can be done because things are progressing so um, so fast, and you know this this work must have been in the planning for for you know several years um, before the vaccines even rolled out. I would suggest. Uh, and then the second microscope is what's called a dark field microscope, so it has an extra extra lens um, underneath the slide um, that sort of splits the light and produces a much higher contrast. Um, so, you know, you, you can see more detail um, and the edges of structures uh, are lit up much more, much more. It's analogous to the way we see the moon. Um, so that's not directly lit by the sun because the moon is in shadow in nighttime. Um, but light refracts around the corners of the earth uh, and then, then hits the moon and then is re reflected back to us. Um, so it produces, um, uh, you know, a particular type of light. So this is what, what, what's called dark field. Well, thank you. That is very helpful because I think a lot of people, well, myself included, do not have an understanding of the technical side of it. So that's extremely helpful. And then when people tell you, what if it's just metal contamination? Like, how do you, what makes you think that it is nanotechnology as opposed to just some factory defect or some like scraps of metal that somehow contaminated the vials? So what, what do you tell them? Sure. Well, look, I mean, even if there's, if there's any sort of contamination in the vial, um, you know, and in fact, metal shards, glass shards have been found in the vaccine by other teams that have, that have looked, then plainly that's an issue. Um, you know, at the very least, there's, there's you know, quality control issues that, that need to be addressed. Um, and, and there were, well, I think one and a half million um, vials of the Moderna vaccine in Japan oh, yeah. um, were removed from the market um, after a cluster of deaths in, in, uh, in young men. Um, about um, six months ago, I think. Um, so, you know, if there's any sort of contamination, then, then plainly um, that, that's got to be looked at. Um, but, you know, these scientists who've been looking down microscopes their whole lives, you know, they know what dust looks like and they know the sorts of, um, you know, dirt and, and what artifacts look like. And I think when you see the pictures, um, you, you know, it's, it's very clear that this is not not some random sort of contamination. And even if these structures, whatever they are, only appear under certain very specific uh, conditions of, of, of light and temperature and time in the laboratory, the fact that they appear there, um, you know, does not rule out the fact that they, that they might be a harm when you put them into humans. We, we just don't know. And our governments don't know um, because it's very likely that their contracts uh, prevent them from being able to do their own testing. Um, because we know in some of the whistleblower contracts from other countries, um, Albania, I think, that have been disclosed, um, there are clauses in there that prevent governments from, from um, you know, approving uh, competitor treatments that might undermine the need for an emergency approval um, and, and also prevent them from doing their own testing. So we're sure that our contract has the same um, conditions. Which, which may explain why it is that we've been telling them since September last year that, um, you know, these things are showing up in, um, in overseas testing uh, and they haven't done anything here yet. So, no, I don't think it's contamination. Uh, I really wish it is. Uh, I mean, sorry, I don't think it's 
spurious artifacts or just you know poor te technique or anything um if only it was then we could all sleep a lot better at night and goodness knows there's, there's enough to keep us awake about this whole thing already no i completely agree that no matter what it is even if it is contamination it's bad enough because those effects are coming in but it definitely calls for an analysis and so you went to government officials to health officials in new zealand and they said what um well they, they didn't reply that's been their standard approach to us um ever since we got together and just wrote with some questions um back in uh, in easter last year um you know with, with a few very very limited exceptions we've had no replies um from from our, our medsafe regulator from the ministers of, of of health and of COVID response from the prime minister um they've, they've just plainly tried not to give us any oxygen oxygen at all try to just discredit us, help us, you know, hope that we'll go away. Um, and could I just make one other point too quickly? Um, you know, nanotechnology is a sort of a term that's that's in popular use, um, but to be, be absolutely specific, um, as some of our critics have been, nano refers to, you know, the nanoscale is, is billionths, billionths of a meter um, or a millionth of a millimeter. Um, and that sort of scale you can't see down, um, an ordinary um, optical microscope. Um, so the fact that these things are visible microscopically means we're talking micro technology. Um, so, you know, a, a red blood cell is um, 7.8 microns, for instance. Um, so that's sort of a thousandth of a millimeter is one micron. But of course, these things will be acting, um, as does all biochemistry, um, at, at the nano scale. And yes, you would need electron microscopes um you know to see individual molecules and 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 very very tiny scale activity uh, and structures um so so more accurately we're, we're you know we're talking microscopic scale so you know visible down the microscope um which uh you know is 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 it, it boggles the mind and and for instance the spanish team um have seen a structure uh, evolved that they they you know they say amounts to about half a millimeter large which which you know is is naked eye basically you'd see it as a tiny speck but you'd still you'd still see it well thank you for the clarification and when you say evolve it means that it's self-assembly yes um I, for, for that example i don't know what the time time scale was but the team here in new zealand um the scientist group uh, that we connected with um found that that really over one two three even up to five days um, it seemed to them like the structures that were appearing were um, were evolving uh, and, and and filling themselves in and becoming um, sort of solid structures. Uh, so it's likely that once these things are in the body, well, or at least it's certainly possible, and somebody has to prove that it's not happening, that things happen after injection. And we know that graphene um, is, is a very unique and, and complicated uh, well, its its electrochemical properties um, are, are unique and, and fascinating, um, and things like temperature and, and pH and exposure to sound and light um, and electromagnetic frequencies um, will change its its behavior and its structure. Well, and I thank you for that. And I want to emphasize what you're saying because even if we, for a second, forget the COVID injections, the science scientific development in using graphene in biosensing, for example, or in, in brain implants, it is a mm -hmm. pretty mainstream and non-conspiratorial area of development. And it's all over 
science papers and medical papers and industry panels. So there's nothing conspiratorial about the fact that this technology exists and it, it is pretty advanced. And there are also multiple papers talking about the toxicity of graphene oxide, for example, and uh, toxicity in different areas and reproductive and immune. And that's again, mainstream science. It's just that somehow there's no connection being made between toxicity and still wanting to use it for brain interfaces or for biosensors. So what we're trying to discover here, or I should say you, you are trying to discover here is whether that technology is present in that particular like medicine in, in COVID injections. And so the government is essentially ignoring you. And at the same time, from what I understand, you are being subjected to persecution, essentially. So where your license, your license, uh, Matt, it was essentially suspended and you're fighting it back, right? Yes, that, that, that's uh -huh. right, Tessa. Um, and, and that's an excellent um, summary. Thank you of, of the work that's already been done. As you say, this is not wacky science fiction. You know, it's the here and now. It's, it's mainstream work um, for, for, for some scientists. Um, so yes, I'm, I'm suspended along with um, five or six other doctors. Uh, the, the process was started against us before we, um, we announced um, these findings down the microscope, um, for sure. Uh, and, and really, we're, we're the group of doctors that were um, actually just the first to, um, to do videos and to do interviews that, that went online, um, questioning the narrative uh, and expressing concern about what, what was going on. Um, so it's it's been um, a sort of a process that we've been put through. Uh, we're all suspended for slightly different reasons, but essentially it all amounts to um, really being disobedient, disagreeing with the, the government's narrative, disagreeing with instructions from our medical council, um, not to question the vaccine uh, and, and not to um, be on social media and give, give interviews. Uh, so I and another doctor have got our appeals um, being heard in the district court here um, next week, actually. Um, but look, even if we get our licenses back uh, and we beat our suspensions, uh, the, you know, the Medical Council can still make our, our lives very, very hard. Uh, and I'm sure they'll be given instructions to do so if we do win. Uh, so, you know, our, our troubles will not end um, if, if we get our licenses back. Um, and we feel personally that we, you know, we don't want to be administered by a group um, that has overseen, um, you know, such damage to medicine. Um, because many doctors have, um, you know, have, have done the obedient thing and have followed the instructions they've been given about how they um, talk about the vaccine, uh, the, the, you know, the, no longer the need for fully informed consent. Um, or do no harm. People don't understand that they have the right to refuse medical treatment anymore. Um, and, and we, you know, we think that's a, um, there's been a coup against medicine, really. And, um, you know, personally, we, we, we all feel increasingly, uh, well, I know I do, and I know some of the others do, but I'm not going to speak for everybody, um, obviously, that, um, you know, they're, they're, they're not fit to administer us and our practice. Um, and there need to be some very significant changes. Um, and there's a lot of work being done to look at alternative structures um, that, that we can trust again uh, and that will fully represent, you know, the best, the best that we can be. Uh, and um, 
you know, we 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 fully intend to try and re-establish medicine, um, you know, and its its uh, its place of authority and trust, um, and that contract that we have with society, um, you know, really needs to be um, to be rewritten um, and actually stuck to from our side this time. Well, that is actually wonderful to hear, and it seems like that's the positive side of all the mess that we're going through. I mean, I want to hear a lot more about that. But uh, uh, Sue, what is your standing as far as are you facing any difficulties because of being outspoken? What's going on? Yeah, I'm also facing an investigation by the New Zealand Law Society. And um, they're, they're not giving really any reasons why they're investigating me. But it seems to be largely because they say that I'm undermining the government policy. Um, which I thought as a lawyer, that was actually our role is to challenge government policy and ask questions and explore alternatives and, and promote or encourage advocacy of different perspectives. But, and I've been involved in some court high court challenges, which is the um, first court that we go to to challenge government action. So we've actually been to court twice in relation to um, the government regulator MedSafe and the rollout of the vaccines in New Zealand. The first time we successfully argued that the um, rollout to all of New Zealand of a vaccine that had only provisional consent was unlawful. And the very next day, within 24 hours, our New Zealand government changed the law. Um, and they changed it unanimously without any um, dissenting voices in the entire parliament of New Zealand. Um, and that was really one of the things that got a lot more attention from the public and certainly from the lawyers of New Zealand to say, how can this happen? We've, we've been to court to say, look, it has only provisional consent. The reason it has provisional consent is because our regulator is not satisfied that it's safe and effective and not satisfied that the benefits exceed the risks. And instead, they've given it only provisional consent with 58 conditions, which require more information about safety, about efficacy, and about the integrity of the product. And now this question about the integrity of the product has become particularly important because our regulator identified that they didn't know that the components of the product were um, made to the right quality when they went from making it in laboratories to when they made it on a commercial slash industrial scale. So it was very one of the very things that were under investigation. Now that we've got very compelling evidence that it's it is contaminated in some way and it's certainly what's on shown up in the slides is not something that was on the list of ingredients that's been advertised on their web page. So we've proven that it's not what it says that it should that it is. Um, MedSafe should stop the rollout. I mean, if, if there was some milk that was contaminated with an unusual product, and we've had that in the past in New Zealand with some um, unfortunate contaminants in the milk, everything is stopped. It becomes a big program to trace the problem, identify the problem, prevent any further harm. And yet here we have a, an experimental novel medication that we've identified the risk. We've proven that there are serious concerns of contamination, and yet all they're doing is refusing to speak to us, refusing to engage at all. 
Um, so in relation to that side, it's a problem, but we have the same problem now with lawyers being closed down for questioning what is going on. Um, we're not having any communication with the government. The only way we were able to make this public was because by coincidence, the New Zealand Outdoors and Freedom Party had a time slot allocated to make a submission to the Health Committee of Parliament about some proposed law reform. And so we used the discovery of Matt and these scientists to um, put to use that 10 minutes time we had to explain this to all of New Zealand and the select committee through that process. But if we hadn't have had that select committee hearing, we would have had absolutely no access at all to anybody in New Zealand government, no transparency at all. This is astounding. And the fact that they changed the law in response to, wow, this is really mm. astounding. It is. It's really astounding. And then the second time we went back to look to court, to the high court, what we call the no jab, no job case. Um, and the Crown admitted that it was coercion, that people were being required to have this vaccination or injection to keep their jobs. Um, and despite admitting that, the court still found that it was okay because there might be a benefit. So here we have an injection that may cause death. It's, it may cause serious injury, long-term harm. We don't know the full extent of the harm. We, we don't know for sure that the injection contains what it says it contains. We do know that there's a serious evidence that it contains other things that it's not supposed to contain. And yet the government is firing people for not for refusing to receive it. And, you know, if, if, if two and a half years ago an employer had or a government official had have said to somebody, you must have this experimental injection to keep your job and we don't know if it's safe and we don't know if it's effective, we don't know what the long-term effects will be, people would have just laughed. But somehow the whole um, way everything is done at the moment is turned inside out and, and the courts and the government are going along with that crazy narrative. It's making it really difficult to practice law in New Zealand because it's like we're, we have no firm foundation. We're, we're standing on this constantly shifting ground where everything that we thought were fundamental human rights and freedoms, everything we thought was our constitutional rights, everything we thought was um, best practice for science, for risk assessment, for health and safety, now just means nothing according to our politicians, according to our executive and according to our judiciary. Oh, it is truly astounding. But let's say three years ago, five years ago, if there were a contamination or potential contamination found in a product, say a very popular product, then they, it would be investigated for sure. Even if there's a pushback, but it would be at least be investigated, right? Absolutely. I mean, any other product, if, if they find some contamination in, in some honey or some other product, even now, that will be investigated. There will be a recall notice, MedSafe and their food people um, at the government will, will, will make an announcement or the company will be asked to recall the product. They have a whole lot of systems in place for that to happen. And that's for products with even very mild contamination, contamination that's not life-threatening, but just something in a product that shouldn't be there or perhaps um, some nut product that may cause a potential anaphylactic reaction to a small number of people, that's a good enough reason for a recall of any other product. And yet for this injection that's being given to healthy people, um, 
where we know that there's a serious risk of, of, of contamination because it's been observed down the microscope, they won't even speak to us. They, they ignore our emails. They ignore our messages. And this is one of the reasons that so many people have come to Parliament in New Zealand in this massive protest. It's an unprecedented protest um, because people aren't being heard and people who are trying to be heard are being bullied. They're being called names by our Prime Minister and by our government. They're literally calling doctors names. They're, they're they're not listening to us at all. They're just shooting the messenger every time. Well, that doesn't sound like a democracy at all. So, how, how, how long were the pro- how long have the protests been going on? Uh, well, this is day eleven of of the occupation of the New Zealand Parliament in Wellington. It started with a convoy from the very north of the North Island of New Zealand and the very south of the South Island of New Zealand, um, copying the type of thing that was being done in Canada. Um, we don't have so many trucks here, so others were invited to join in, cars and um, camper vans and anybody who wanted to join. And and um, as it got going, it got more and more support. Where I was actually with a friend in the central North Island of New Zealand, and we just went along to watch it. And we looked at each other and we said, hey, we have to join this. This is amazing. And, and as it traveled, thousands and thousands of people joined and it got bigger and bigger. And so many of us found ourselves in Wellington and sort of said, how did we even get here? We, we never meant to be here, but now we're here and something amazing is happening. And it's, it's just the most, um, I imagine it's like the feeling of the Berlin Wall when the Berlin Wall came down and everyone had been protesting for so long and felt like nothing was happening and then suddenly it happened. And this is really what it's feeling like here in Wellington that people have come together of of every age group, of every nationality in New Zealand, of every occupation, and they've come together for many reasons. They've come because of the mandates that they've been, they've lost their jobs. Um, They haven't been able to have their wedding because they're not allowed to have groups of more than 25 people, because they haven't been able to go to Tangi, our Māori name for funerals, so they haven't been able to go to funerals. Um, New Zealanders haven't been allowed into New Zealand because of what they call the MIQ quarantine system that everybody who wants to come to New Zealand must find a a space in quarantine um, before they can come back. And the quarantine system is is a disaster. There's never enough spaces. People have been waiting years. If one, the husband may have gone overseas for business and he can't get home again, or the wife may have gone overseas because her parents are dying and she can't get home again to New Zealand. It's been a complete disaster. So there's been so many different reasons why people have had enough and they've just come to Parliament and occupied Parliament. And, and it's, you know, we've been to Parliament many, many times before, but normally people come for a couple of hours and go home again. This time they said, no, we're not going home until they they cancel all of the mandates. Oh, this is amazing. Yeah. And those quarantine rules... Are they only for people who didn't get the injection or is it, is it, is it for everybody? If a wife went overseas and the, she can't go, go back without a secured space regardless of the vaccination status? Yeah, at the moment, it's for everybody. Everybody, nobody can come into New Zealand without going through the quarantine system, the MIQ system. They're, they're talking about changing the rules. They've, they've talked about it before and they keep changing the changes. Um, and one of my clients with a, with a billion dollar business, a, a massive business, went overseas um, just before Christmas, was told that from January, people could come back again. So his wife was from Thailand. They went over to visit family for Christmas. They're now locked up 
<clears throat> they can't get back into New Zealand. Oh my God. It, it, it's, it's unbelievable. The, um, you know, we've been told that we've we've controlled COVID. It was eliminated in New Zealand. Sorry, I'm losing my voice because I've been speaking so much at the protests and I've been speaking to people from the first thing in the morning to the last thing at night. People are just thousands and thousands of people. It's the most um, incredible thing. But, yeah, well, there have been so many problems and we haven't had any platform to talk about any of these problems. The mainstream media has been paid by the New Zealand government to run only the New Zealand government narrative. And and we've had some small media groups just starting up, um, counter spin and, and different people sp- speaking out, but their platforms keep being closed down and we haven't had any ability to, to tell the world what's going on, what's really happening in New Zealand. And, you know, our Prime Minister's been idolised by some around the world and yet in New Zealand she's become increasingly considered to, as, as running a tyranny and and, and detested. Um, it's it's the, the perception as more people have understood what's going on has, has changed so quickly, which is why so many people came to Parliament and every day hundreds and thousands more people are coming and joining us or people are coming for a, a few days and, and going home and sending another family member back to support and they're playing like a tag team to, to come and occupy Parliament. It's, it's the most amazing event I've ever been involved in my life. Wow, it sounds beautiful. And, uh, well, as, as far as your ruler uh, she's so weird. I mean, I have to say, I, I saw a clip where she was permitting people to visit friends and go to the bathroom at a friend's place. And she was saying it completely seriously, which is insane. Yeah. yeah, but good for you. I'm so glad that there is an uprising and that is from the heart. It is very, very good to hear. Yeah, it's look, it's been a beautiful event because the whole mood is love. We call araha in New Zealand. It's the word for peace and love. The, the indigenous people's word and that is the mood for the whole event that aroha we let's let's be how we want the world to be let's let's forget our frustration anger of the past and create what we want and so we're now on day 11 over the first day we had to go to the railway station to go to the toilet because parliament wouldn't let us inside um the second day we had Portaloo toilets arrived and there was a massive food table. Everybody is being fed for free from donations. There's a whole team of people making all kinds of different food, making coffee. Um, over the days, more and more of these food tables have established. We've got lots of choices now. We've got massages and chiropractors. We've got first aid tents. We've got um, children's tents. We've got um some of the New Zealand's top performers are now coming along and singing to the crowd. We've got people speaking to the crowd. We're getting a veggie garden. People have started planting a vegetable garden on the parliament grounds. It's it's um on the third day there was a horrible incident where the police tried to remove the the people um from the grounds and and it was it was brutality and violence by the police. But luckily it was so well videoed and recorded that those messages started to go around New Zealand and around the world. Um, the people hung on together. They 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 just united. We had grandmothers in the front line standing up against this police brutality, and and these messages got out to the world, and the people hung on. They're calling it the biggest rugby scrum in New Zealand history. A nine-hour rugby scrum of the people against the police, but miraculously the people hung on, and the 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 videos of that meant that. 
people have come from all over New Zealand absolutely horrified about what the police did um, to come to support the protest and to say enough is enough. And now we've got a much better relationship with the police. The police have basically changed their tactics. The Prime Minister called on the police to use, to bring in the army and use every tactic they could to remove the occupation. But the army, it appears, has refused to come. Fortunately, the police, um, we've heard that the police have got COVID in their ranks. And so they've, they've lost a lot of their numbers. And actually, the whole mood of the police has changed now. The police are actually coming on the side of the people. A lot of the police were in tears on that day, Thursday last week. Um, a lot of them resigned. And others have refused to come to Wellington to join in this because it's contrary to what their beliefs are as police officers. So we've already had a major change in attitude in the police. They may have another go because <clears throat> the Prime Minister is is encouraging them to remove us from Wellington. But I think the um, relationship is a lot better now. And what's finally, finally, finally happened is our mainstream media have been invited and shown around and they can't believe the difference between how the Prime Minister was painting us as these basically dirty rabble of, of uneducated people. When, when the media come around and take photos, they see grandmothers with their grandchildren, they see army veterans. We have a colonel from the army with his medals who's walking around talking about this is not the way of, of New Zealand to for Parliament to not to remove democracy from the people, um, we ha we have the tr tribal traditional Maori people standing united. We have people camping in the streets from all over New Zealand, having the best conversations they've had for years. And best of all, we have so many smiles. Nobody is wearing a mask. Nobody is social distancing. Everybody is talking, laughing, hugging, dancing and saying, hey, this is what life is all about. We've got our spirit back. This is amazing. I just want to hug you through the screen. <laughs> this, this, this is so beautiful. And yeah. I'm, so, I'm so glad to hear that the police attitude has changed. And of course, anybody, any of them who got COVID, I wish them a speedy recovery. I mean, like that, that's a given, like all of us. But uh, it, is, it is amazing. And it just says that, you know, we the people, I mean, we are, we have a soul and that's, that's what makes it work. It's, it's truly beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank we, you the story. Thank you. Yeah. We always were proud of our, what we call our number eight wire mentality that pe we can fix anything with a piece of wire and people were getting really worried that New Zealanders had lost it and we were becoming frightened instead of courageous. But this last um, 11 days has shown that we absolutely still have our New Zealand Kiwi spirit. We have our number eight wire mentality. We had the biggest rainstorm in 30 years. The parliamentary speaker turned on the parliament sprinkler ground to add to the rainfall, to try and wash away the protesters. And the protesters just dug in, they dug drains. The um, farmers brought in bale loads of hay to, to mop up the water. We've got some absolutely beautiful photos of everybody working together. We now have our, our parliamentary speaker who, who had this outrageous conduct of trying to force us away. Um, he, he's called Trevor Mallard. And we now have these Mallard ducks sitting in the drains around Parliament and everyone's joking about the Mallard drains. And it's just bought. You know, when you face a really difficult situation, how it brings everybody together. And so the 
people have never been more united and more determined to stand up to the government and to take back democracy and to create a new way of doing things that that re-engages with the people and actually listens to the people. We have, I don't know, 120 members of parliament and they put out a joint announcement that none of them will speak to us. Can you believe that our elected representatives have entered into a conspiracy between themselves to not speak to the people that they represent? That sounds very democratic. <laughs> Amazing. No, this is, so, this is so beautiful. Thank you. And I want to ask the anonymous lawyer if you want to add anything to the story, if there's anything you can say or want to say. Hi, Tessa. Yes, thanks. I think Sue and, and Matt have summed everything up really nicely, but perhaps I can just uh, make some observations regarding uh, the human rights laws that haven't been respected, um, you know, not just by our government here in New Zealand, but also by governments around the world. Um, speaking to the New Zealand situation, um, you know, we've had a real lack of respect for human rights and fundamental freedoms here. We have uh, the New Zealand Bill of Rights Act, but this has essentially been overridden by the subordinate legislation that um, has been put into place under the guise of, you know, emergency powers. And actually, the Bill of Rights, if any um, legislation is inconsistent with it, the rule is that the Bill of Rights should prevail, but it's actually been uh, the opposite, despite uh, courts making observations that that, that should be so. Um, yeah, and states all around the world have been using emergency powers, which which normally must be used for legit legitimate public health goals only and not as a, as a basis to target particular groups or minorities or individuals. And it's really been used to suppress dissent or to silence the work of people who are, who are defending human rights. And this has included journalists, doctors, lawyers, um, anyone with a, cent a dissenting view. And the concern is that, uh, you know, so this is not this is not how democracy works. Um, we're supposed to be able to participate in democracy, um, have our views heard. There hasn't been any accountability on, on the part of the state institutions. There doesn't appear to be any separation of powers uh, in New Zealand anymore. Uh, the judiciary has been unwilling to hold... Um, the legislature or the executive to account. Um, there aren't any public bodies as yet, although there may be that may be turning at the moment, um, who have been, you know, willing to hold uh, the government policies to account. Um, there's a, there, there are these principles in international human rights law um, known as the Syracuse principles on the limitation and derogation of pr provisions in the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. Now, this is a central international human rights uh, treaty, and New Zealand has ratified this, and this means that they are bound to implement its provisions, and our New Zealand Bill of Rights Act um, purports to implement that in New Zealand law um, and basically what it means is when you've got um, emergency laws um, they must be time limited reasonable portionate, 
proportionate, non-discriminatory and grounded in law to ensure the protection of all human rights, recognising that human rights are indivisible and inalienable. Unfortunately, in New Zealand, uh, you know, and so these, there are certain rights that can never be derogated from, even in times of emergency, and we, these are known as absolute rights. And so those human rights are the right to life and the right to be free from torture. And notably, in the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, Article 7 uh, talks about torture and cruel and inhuman or degrading pun treatment or punishment. And in particular, it notes that no one shall be subjected without his free consent to medical or scientific experimentation. So even in times of so-called emergency, uh, we are not supposed to be uh, subjected to medical experimentation. And as Sue explained earlier, this is essentially what's going on with this uh, with this injection that's being um, mandated on certain sectors of society and you know indirectly on others because if they if they don't agree to do this they are shut out from different sectors of society. We've got children who are unable to participate in sporting activities and other community activities if they are unjabbed, you know, and now we are, we're doing that down to five-year-olds and there haven't been uh, adequate studies, um, you know, the studies I don't think will be out till at least 2023 um, on the safety and e efficacy of these things. So, you know, we're being mandated based on, yeah, based on um, incomplete data sets. Uh, and then, there are a whole bunch of people who are being injured after the vaccine. There's um, a group in New Zealand that's been compiling a register of the vaccine deaths and injuries because it's been very difficult for people to report uh, the injuries to the official body in New Zealand, which is which is called CALM, and that's actually a body that's funded by uh, Bill, and, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation through one of the universities here in New Zealand. Uh, we've had reports from people trying to make the reports that it's been very difficult at the hospital, at the A&E, um, even through their regular GPs. Um, the, the form takes so long to fill in that I think people just, <laughs> they just give up in the end. So the official data really doesn't reflect the, the true picture on the ground. Um, and even with um, the alternative register, um, which is which we are calling the People's Register of the Deaths and Injuries, um, you know, that, that probably only reflects a small percentage of the actual injuries out there. And then in terms of remedies, um, it's it's been very difficult for people to seek um, a medical help for the injuries. Um, you know, this is obviously an emerging area of medicine and most doctors around the country don't really understand how to help these people um, or even to identify that this is what, what is happening. Uh, Matt's part of an organisation called New Zealand Doctors Speaking Out with Science, and they, they've set up a vaccine injury clinic that's been a godsend for the people of New Zealand, and they've been helping people where they can, but, you know, they're under-resourced and, um, you know, unable to, to meet demand in some circumstances. 
in terms of getting justice for um, the the people, uh, you know, there's nominally there's a uh, an avenue through the Accident Compensation Corporation, which is a government body um, that that deals with um, accidents and injuries, and they're, they're essentially like a an insurance body um, there to provide funding and support for people um, who have disabilities arising from these um, from accidents or injuries. However, we've been finding that people um, run into roadblocks. There's a lot of bureaucracy, or they they won't honour the claims. So essentially, these people are left, um, you know, without recourse. And then as for the people who are losing their jobs, um, you know, they go on to um, the unemployment benefit or or other benefits. But we've also had reports that uh, some vaccine injured people have been um, having these, the benefits threatened. Um, so, you know, another form of coercion that if you don't get the jab, you'll have your benefit withdrawn. So there's coercion happening um, at many, many layers of society. Um, then in terms of, you know, accountability for pe- from people speaking out, um, you know, we've, we've all spoken about the persecution that, that professional bodies have experienced. But it's really, you know, and this is, this is a hallmark of of authoritarianism is the crushing of dissent and in, in all its guises, you know, and 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 journalists cannot speak out without being ridiculed, ridiculed. People are called anti-vaxxers, even if they've been vaccinated with all the rest of the vaccines and just choose not to get one or all of 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 the COVID vaccine. Um, you know, otherwise they're called names, they're persecuted. Uh, they're ostracised by society and their families and friends and their their uh, professional peers. So it's a very very difficult uh, situation, you know. And it's it's really deplorable that many political decisions um, have been made uh, that suggest an allegiance to business and profits rather than to people's human rights entitlements. Oh, and so if somebody is injured. Are they free? Well, I am afraid I know the answer, but are they free to talk about it? What happens if they talk about it openly? The fact that they were injured, or they think that they were injured by this injection, then what usually happens? Well, I think I think people, you know, they're not they're not believed, number one, and and they're they're ridiculed. They're ridicu- they're ridiculed in newspapers, they're ridiculed by, you know, in personal situations. And, you know, we have created a safe space, essentially, within the movement in which we can help each other. But, um, you know, I personally don't talk about these things with people outside of the movement because I just feel like I've got enough to deal with without also having to deal with uh, the attitudes of others who don't take deaths and injuries seriously. Um, You know, I personally, I can't, understand why you wouldn't when you're seeing this level um, of harm being done in society why that wouldn't be bothersome um, you know and maybe maybe Matt could comment on the the psychological aspects of that and it's been my observation that people who um, have come from other countries or situations where they've seen propaganda before they've seen communism before they've seen authoritarian 
um, you know, situations and they recognise the writing on the wall when they see it in New Zealand. This is certainly not a country that I recognise anymore. You know, and I, I grew up here, but I've worked around the world and seen this sort of behaviour in, in other places. So, um, you know, it seems very obvious to me, but, um, you know, other other people are not convinced at all and think that we're completely crazy. Wow. Now, it seems like with environmental movements, that's a pretty common trend where something comes out and for the first decade or two, it's a crazy conspiracy theory. And then, mm -hmm. of course, everybody knows. And then people who are totally on the mainstream side, all of a sudden they get book deals writing about how they always knew. It seems like <laughs> it's pretty common. But Matt, uh, so if you want to comment on the psychological side of that and helping the vaccine injured and what you're doing. Sure, thanks Tessa. So um, I mean, the first thing I need to say is that being currently suspended, um, you know, I, I shouldn't really talk about anything medical because practicing medicine without a license is a criminal offense. Um, here with a jail sentence or um, or, or a fine. But, um, you know, more and more of us are really um, thinking this is not a legitimate system. Um, you know, it will still work as long as it can, um, I suppose, to keep us quiet. But I can talk as a private citizen, uh, and it's frankly impossible after um, 41 years since entering medical school to just, you know, dump um, everything I've learned about um, human nature and the human condition. Um, so I think, you know, any compassionate, intelligent person uh, can speak to, um, you know, um, the reasons why so many people, um, you know, still find it very hard to question the narrative. And there's um, been a number of um, people in the, in the um, let's say, the, the, well, I think it's becoming increasingly the mainstream media, actually, um, and, and journalists like yourself, you know, asking important, important questions. Um, so Matthias Desmet, who's a um, professor of psychology and psychoanalysis in Belgium, of course, has done a lot to teach us about mass formation um, and the way that large groups of people um, will sort of gather around um, the idea of, of, of a threat uh, and what to do about it. Um, and, and of course, you know, the, with the, the, the madness of crowds, um, you know, the, the, um, the th everything gets kind of amplified up um, much greater than if you're just dealing with something on your own. Um, and so incredible things can happen and people can all buy into the idea um, that we're all going to we're all going to perish from what's what's now, frankly, a, a common cold. Um, and it was always going to be, by the way, if we just let um, COVID run its course, like other viral pandemics that we've had, um, you know, they all get uh, they all get milder as a clinical illness, but but easier to catch. Um, and that's, you know, been the, been the principles of public health is that you don't lock healthy people up. You know, you quarantine people who are showing symptoms um, and you and you certainly don't vaccinate in the middle of a pandemic um, because that is how you get variants. And people were warning us about that um, right at the beginning, too. Um, so but the other thing that I've, I've recently just just learned about um, properly uh, is this thing called um, the behavioral immune system. And uh, it, 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 it does go back a, a long way in, in, in terms of the. The understanding of it, but it's it's been millions of years in the making, and essentially it is um, sort of survival traits that explain actually things like racism, um, where we have this very basic and instinctive um, revulsion or aversion to people who may have uh, may carry infectious disease that we are not immune to, um, and and 
you know, of course, microbes are billions of years old, and they've been around for a lot longer than, than more complex life like us has. Um, and so we've evolved these mechanisms that mean that we, um, you know, we, we want to separate ourselves, and we, we may have quite an aggressive uh, and, um, you know, unpleasant, but instinctively driven, um, you know, need to, 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 to get ourselves away or to get people away from us, um, you know, who, who, who may have something that we're not immune to and that could harm us. Um, and I think this is another thing that has been used against against us all in the design uh, and the preparation um, of the sort of the propaganda and the PR um, and the marketing of this whole thing, um, which is why people still, in the face of overwhelming evidence, completely to the contrary, still believe that somehow the unvaccinated um, are a risk to everyone else um, because we were labelled as such. Uh, and, and there was some sort of sense early on that, that that could possibly be true until the facts started coming in. Um, and, um, you know, what, what can be done to one's immune system um, by having these injections? Um, and and that's, that's still at play. Uh, and you can still see it being played. You know, there is key messaging. There are key, you know, words and phrases, um, you know, and images that are used to maintain this idea that these crazy anti-vaxxers are going to kill the rest of us. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's just it's just appalling that that trained psychologists and people with this knowledge have used their knowledge to cooperate with governments um, in, in creating this situation where we've all become captured and hypnotized um, because, you know, the, the, the way that we work, the way we operate, our basic startup files, um, you know, have been have been used against us, um, you know, to maintain the momentum for getting getting these injections done. It is stunning. And well, thank you for your commentary. And I know that you probably don't have a whole lot more time for the interview. But before we wrap it up, do you want to share your screen and show the images? So you got something now? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So this is the sort of thing that um, we were already um, prepared to see based on on the overseas work. Um, and this was about um, probably an hour or two after a drop of the vaccine under a slide had started to, um, well, it was just you know, warming and drying. And from this sort of background, um, where you can see these, um, these, these little sort of donut type structures that actually are too large to be the lipid nanoparticles. Um, so they're, they're, they would be too small to see under this, um, this magnification. Um, but from this sort of soup, these, um, these structures were visible. Um, so I'll just fast forward. In fact, I'll just... And that is what brand vaccine? Is it a Pfizer? Uh, yes, it is. That's 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 the main one. Um, there's been a bit of AstraZeneca used, uh, and I think we've got some Novavax um, just in approval, and there have been a couple of drug trials as well. Um, a few people have had non-messenger RNA vaccines as well. So um, let me just go back out and just flip forward. Uh, and I may not stop at some. So that, based on what we've learned since, is probably a lump of um, a lump of graphene. Um, so uh, you know, I've not seen anything like this occur in nature. So this is a conventional light microscope, mm -hmm. um, and th these were just photos taken on my phone um, at the time because we we really didn't want um, the metadata attached with the original pictures to be floating around um, to protect, um, particularly the identity of the other person working with me. Mm -hmm. So a piece of a jigsaw there. 
Um, so so the, the kind of geometric precision, which is common to a lot of the photos um, that people are taking, uh, you know, really needs, needs sort of pause for thought. Um, so I'm going to just flick through. Um, but um, what starts off with the little donuts I showed you, which have the little dark, the little dark corner, the cores, um, then become, um, somehow they become empty and you get these conglomerations uh, of, again, what, what other scientists are saying uh, when they do spectroscopy uh, is, is graphene. Well. Um, this was interesting because this was a, a, a fairly large clump of something. So it's, 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 it's 3D. So the focusing changes. Um, so uh, this, this was the first picture. And if I just enlarge, you get the impression of, again, what may be, um, you know, destined to be, be symmetrical um, chips. And we didn't really sort of think much on it. Well, I don't know what to think, to be honest. Um, but then the following picture... Um, is the same clump but with a different focus. Um, down a bit more. You know, possibly churning out some sort of tube. Uh, and people talk a, a lot about nanotubes. And in fact, the, the carbon sort of graphene and aluminium nanotube structure is a basic sort of building block of, um, of this sort of technology that's then used to assemble lots of other structures. Um, but this is far too big to be defined as a nanotube anyway, because remember, this is at the microscopic scale. Um, so I'm going to just flick forward now and not, not talk to some of these things. Um, so you can see where that's come from. Um, this, this was a more recent um, screenshot from one of the Quinta Columba, Columna reports in Spain. Mm -hmm. Okay, Tessa, so, so we're now looking at photos taken by um, this other team in New Zealand who uh, showed us their work um, and who've actually uploaded um, much of their work on a website called lifeoftheblood.com. So it's all one word, lifeoftheblood.com. Uh, and there's some stunning images, um, you know, absolutely beautiful pieces of art, um, if, if nothing else, but, uh, you know, demanding some sort of explanation. And the key thing to remember when looking at these, these things is, is the geometry, the symmetry, um, and the, um, so the light, uh, these things aren't emitting light. It's just the way that dark field microscopy uh, catches, um, catches corners and edges. Um, however, there is definitely reflection in the same way, because at this scale, you know, the rules of light still operate the same way. Uh, and, and I've got a, a video I can show to, in fact, just just a couple um, br brief ones that can um, demonstrate both both um, the sort of the, the, the glinting, but also a, a self assembly process. And I think I think these people have caught the most stunning um, proof uh, until somebody explains exactly what's going on of of the sort of the self assembling nature. Um, so I'll just flick forward uh, a few of these. So let's have a look at this one. So this is um, a live video of a drop of vaccine um, under, under the microscope. And let me just... So the white light will be a, um, a fluid boundary, a, a, an air bubble. 
about the symmetry and the um, you know the, the geometry, um, and also there are many structures that are identical. So you can't say this is a sort of a random process. And this is after a while. Uh, yes, I, I I can't remember exactly how um, how long it is after starting to look. Um, but remember, these have got cover slips over them, so this isn't just sort of dust and you know bits right. of turnip from the atmosphere landing on the slide. Yeah, this definitely warrants an explanation, if nothing else, because this looks weird. I think that's absolutely right, you know, and that's all we've been asking regulators all the way through. We're not claiming to know exactly what, what any of this stuff is for. Of course, you can't help asking, but, um, you know, somebody just needs to tell us what we're looking at uh, and what they're going to do about it. Now, the people that, that took these images, of course, would, would be much better and would probably much rather speak to them than me. Um, but, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of risk for people who are doing this work um, and, and speaking out, of course, because, um, you know, if, if, if this is deliberately included, um, then, you know, there's a lot of people with a lot of stake, a lot at stake should it, um, should it come out. Um, so there's a lot of this type of structure where you get the, the sort of outlines forming. Um, there's a sort of a boundary and then, then you get sort of infill and a gradual concentration of um, these very, very tiny, tiny particles that are probably the sort of progenitor, um, you know, basic little egg sort of structures from which other things um, assemble. And these are the vaccines, uh, just the vaccines, or is it the blood? No, again, this is just drops of, 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 of the vaccine. So these bright red lights, these are just artifacts, um, you know, air, little air bubbles in the oil that's also used um, as part of the, um, the focusing mechanism. But the oil is high quality, um, and dark field microscopists use this oil all the time, and they say they never see things like this. Fascinating. So all of these are available online, but this is a close-up again of, of within the basic outlines that form. You then start to see the sort of the detail filling in, um, and I'm going to go um, just out of here and show you what we think some of the things end up looking like. So again, this is some some detail. But I think these edges and these angles are, are plainly man-made. Um, you know, and the other point is that, um, you know, imagine how sharp um, and how traumatizing to blood vessels if this stuff is in the tissues or whizzing around the blood, um, you know, it might be. And we know that so much of the pathology of the vaccine um, is around blood clotting and bleeding. Um, you know, and this is quite fascinating too because, um, you know, the, you, you have color oh. appearing. And the color is not an artifact of how they're processed for microscopy? Uh, I, I would doubt it because, um, because of the different colors. Mm -hmm. um, but, but again, look, that's possible. That's absolutely right. possible. And, and, you know, we can't be didactic about this and claim to know exactly what we're looking about because we're, looking, we're not experts. But there are experts and they need to, to front up. No kidding.
Yeah, and that's really what you're asking for, for somebody who's an expert yeah. to look at it. Um, this, by the way, is a, um, so this is live blood. So these are red blood cells. So this is a drop of somebody's blood um, who, uh, who was exposed to the vaccine. And um, there are many structures like this. Um, so this is within a, um, within a bubble and, and, and it could be, uh, look, it could be an artifact. Well, I said it's in a bubble. So the bright white lines represent a, a boundary, a barrier between the blood and the plasma uh, and um, whatever this, this sort of structure is. Um, but there is a lot of this. And, and other dark microscopists do say that they have, you know, seen this type of thing that they initially thought was, was an artifact, um, although they'd never seen it in their professional lives before um, and are starting to agree that they're, they're actually all seeing these things. So here's another one with the sort of the, the, the inner detail. So this background is the dried, um, the dried vaccine. Um, and there are two ingredients um, that both start with ALC that are known to be in the vaccine, but um, nobody's been told what they actually are. Uh, but it's, it's probably there's this is the hydrogel, um, which, which sounds benign, but is presumably where a lot of this, um, this technology uh, gets into the vaccine. Um, and of course, the, the, the different ingredients of the vaccine are, are sort of outsourced and made in different places. Um, but there is a, 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 a factory in China um, or a company, I think it's called Sinopeg, um, I think, but, um, but I could be wrong about that. But, you know, it's possible that the drug companies, the, the manufacturers themselves, you know, might not even know that this stuff is in there um, or, or actually what, what, what they've ordered as an ingredient. It's, it's possible, but, um, you know, we need lots of answers. Uh, so, again, I'm going to um, just move forward. And I think we'll probably finish here um, unless yeah. there's, a, there's a couple of short videos. Well, there's just one more video I want to show you, which I think is... Um, is the most proof, proof positive that, that there are processes happening um, in, in real time. Okay, have you got this? Uh-huh. Okay, so this is a um, real-time video taken of a, of a structure here. And the place to pay attention, um, it's a little bit jerky just because of the, the various transfers. Um, uh, and, and it was, again, I, I videoed this off a, off a screen. But the place to look is the end of the tube uh, or, or whatever it is. Uh, and you'll see a little white light that seems to be dancing around the axis at the end. Um, with a, um, and, the, and it does get a little bit closer. I'm just going to fast forward through the, through the focus. Um, there's some apparent process going on with a sort of triangular, semi-translucent um, structure of some sort as well. And then right at the end, you'll see another one of these little sort of white dots um, seemingly come up from underneath and sort of join whatever the process is. So, you know, it's the craziest piece of dust I've ever seen. Well, well, thank you for doing all this work. Like, we definitely want answers. 
because Yeah, well, it's certainly not hard to to accept that this technology is available. Um, you know, five minutes on the internet can you know get you pretty well up to speed um, as as to the background work that's been done. So, well, thank you. I, I I really appreciate the work and the interview, and thank you for being brave and being on the right side of history. So yes, well, we 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 hope to be seen that way in the future for sure. No, because in all honesty, it is hard to say what those things are with certainty, but the fact that they're not looking and all you're doing is asking questions. You're not saying, oh my God, this crazy nanotechnology, we're all going to die. You're not doing that at all. You're saying, this is weird. We don't know what it is. Please look at it. And they're not listening mm -hmm. to you. And that's Yeah, I mean, intelligent part. thinking beings can't help but ask those questions for themselves. And again, do their research and try and understand well, you know, if, if this is real and, and somebody has to prove to us that it isn't and nobody's stepping up to do that, you know, if, if it is real, what's, what's actually going on? Um, because plainly people have got something to hide, otherwise they'd have told us. Um, you know, and there's been lots of talk from, from places like the WF around the idea of, you know, human 2.0 and, you know, uploading our consciousness to the internet um, and all joining in, in a sort of glorious, um, you know, web-based network where we can share share information and share experiences. Um, but the point just to remember is that if you can, you know, if you can upload from your own nervous system, then then you can be downloaded too. You know, it's a two-way street. Um, and, and there's, of course, a huge rabbit hole, um, you know, and there were other things taking place in our country and many other countries too, even before um, COVID and certainly right at the start of the COVID and then the lockdowns. Um, you know, that have got a lot of people worried uh, and asking, well, is this all part of the equation? Um, you know, and what, what might be next in line? Um, because there's certainly been plenty to um, be concerned about around um, the, uh, you know, what, what, the, what the big picture and the grand plan is. I want to point out specifically that, well, I would be the first person to not go for sensationalism because sensationalism doesn't help. So all you're doing is that you've observed something and you want answers. And that's all you're doing. And that's actual basic science 101. You're not claiming what it is. You're not making any statements that you know what it is. You just want answers. And that's the noblest, most basic thing a scientist can do. So I applaud you and I, I really applaud you for that. And thank you for being courageous. Oh, and thank you, Tessa, and thank you for giving us a, a um, you know, opportunity to, yes, try and provide some context to what, what's been going on here. So, thank you. Uh, mm -hmm. Sorry, it, just before we wrap up, could, could we make mention that there are lots of jurisdictions around the world that are dropping restrictions in recent weeks on the basis that Omicron no longer justifies uh, countries having mandates. Um, so it's curious as to why New Zealand, the New Zealand government feels it's necessary to keep them in the face of countries around the world making contrary decisions. That's a very good question. Also good question of the governor of New York, who I am at. <laughs> so they seem, yes. to be, they seem to be on the same page. So uh, do, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? 
No, it was just just about the jurisdictions that, you know, looking at what's happening internationally and also, you know, with the nanotech stuff that, you know, this is information that's been corroborated internationally by, Matt, perhaps you know how many countries there were. I think it's Spain, Argentina, the UK, you know, that scientists in those countries have, have found similar similar findings mm. and, and the very famous german pathologists conference now um that i hope i hope you've you've seen tessa um yeah. you know these are eminent people you know um who their whole lives have been academic and and studious uh saying that they've never seen what they've seen before um in people who've died post-vaccine um and you know we 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 really want to reach vaccinated people with this information not to scare them of course although you know, we, we, we can't be responsible for the reactions that, that people have. You know, we can try and sit alongside their reactions and try and help them. But, um, you know, this is this this is becoming mainstream and it's not just crazy old New Zealand saying, um, you know, this, this stuff's going on. Um, you know, very eminent and, and uh, you know, well-resourced jurisdictions are producing this, this, this information. No, this is a very important so, point. And ultimately, I think the the people who got this injection and the people who didn't get it, we really are in this together because we want to know the truth. And I think that if people who got it really realized what was in it, even if it's just a contamination, like say, even if it's just some weird contamination, even so it would be already not good at all. So we really want the answers, all of us. And thank you for doing the important work. You're welcome. Cool. Thank you. Cool. Yeah. I I just want to say thank you so much for bringing this to the world. Um, what it has done is it's exposed so much humanity and whether you're the most educated academic or whether you're just a, a person who's going by their gut act reaction, we're all coming to the same conclusion and we're all in this mess together. Um, and, you know, what I'm enjoying is here in Wellington, people standing together, being creative and, and finding solutions. I had 15 women who were in jail together, um, arrested after police brutality, unlawfully by police. Um, and you know what? They, they, they worked together. They, they found the woman who had young children who had to get out and they shielded them and we helped them get out of jail. And seven of the women stayed together. They were in jail for five days. They wouldn't sign anything because they said everything was so wrong. And they were prepared to stay in jail as long as it took until the system released them without signing a document. And their courage has set up a standard that meant that everybody else who faced these police charges had to be bailed without any conditions as well. And so whether we're scientists, doctors, lawyers, or anybody else, it's, it's bringing out the best just as the system has been showing us the worst. So, you know, I, I find the whole thing things so difficult but there's always so much hope as well and I just think that's such an important thing that we always remind ourselves um, so and also just the fact that we're connecting with people like you Tessa and doctors and lawyers and scientists are connecting we're all connecting together I just think that's another huge hugely important thing that's a positive out of all of this mess. absolutely absolutely this time we're bringing out the best out of us and Sorry. the quality of friendships and the quality of rebellion in the best mm -hmm. sense of it it is quite amazing so thank you again and i will talk to you soon
Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Tessa. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Tessa. Thank you. Bye.